I'm unapologetically fly. I don't wonder why, that's just my attitude. Yeah. Okay, hey, that's just my. Uh, 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 come on. Hi guys, welcome to Glitch in the Code here on Iconic.com. I'm here with a new, a new guest, Christian Harris from The Rundown Live. And I first saw Christian's work on um, Jason Burmis, actually. I've, I've had Jameson on the show a while back now, um, maybe even two years ago now. But I was watching it and I saw Christian on there and he was actually at the courthouse, Ghislaine Maxwell's case, actually doing some on-the-street journalism. And I was astounded to see that the fact there was hardly anyone there, no mainstream media at all, apart from one guy um, with a tripod, and the fact that, that, that this is, should be, quite frankly, one of the biggest cases um, ever um, since the OJ case. I mean, look at the way they, they reported on the Michael Jackson case. And now they're um, in 2000 and what was that? 2002, 2003. And the absurdity of that compared to what's going on now. And we all know why they haven't. Over in the UK, we've all been distracted with the Omicron nonsense from COVID. And I feel like that's been done on purpose. Nothing about the Ghislaine Maxwell case over here at all. Absolutely cricket. So it's great to have you on, mate. How did how did you come to start doing this work before we get into what you're doing right now? Well, yeah, uh, I was a big advocate for Ron Paul in 2011. I ran grassroots for Ron Paul uh, and I got involved basically because of election fraud and investigating it for independent lawyers uh, who are researching GOP fraud in the 2011 um, you know, convention. And uh, I was kind of curious on why the GOP would uh, fraud their own individual, uh, be that being Ron Paul. I wasn't political. I, wasn't, I didn't identify as Republican or Democrat or conservative or liberal. I do have bias, but it's my own bias. And, uh, you know, I did some research and I thought a lot of his concepts are wonderful. Uh, you know, non-aggression principle, peace, uh, ending the drug wars, uh, bringing home our troops and not being the policemen of the world, police accountability, all these great ideas. And he encouraged, he said, one thing we need is more independent minded individuals in the media. So I applied for the local uh, newspaper blog, which is called City Now. It was a branch of the journal Sentinel. And over a year or two, I became the number one aggregated City Now blogger, more so than any other individual in the entire United States. And during a reformatting exercise, the journal Sentinel was purchased, uh, I was let go. And um, I ended up starting, along with another individual, a program called The Rundown Live. And the purpose of The Rundown Live was to highlight citizen journalists, not only just citizen journalists, but uh, people from all political viewpoints, because we wanted to find a way to bring people together. At the time, my co-host was from the Occupy movement, and I, being from Ron Paul, we both found out we had a lot of things in common. Uh, you know, Ron Paul was big on ending the Federal Reserve. Well, we know that Occupy was really good, big on, you know, the 1%, which is essentially the same ideology, you know, police accountability. There's a lot of things that we learned to agree on and things we found in common. So the program is based on bringing people together, highlighting citizen journalists. And since then we've grown and evolved and now we're on KGRA, we're 100% listener funded and all the donations keep the program alive. We're uh, independent of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We're one of the few stations uh, in the area that has the ability to give you genuine news that isn't affiliated with Republican advertising or liberal advertising or any of that stuff. We bring you the most raw, citizen journalist we can find. We also cover other things, esoteric knowledge, philosophy. Uh, you know, we've had top hackers, movie stars, uh, musicians on the show. And uh, I has, have become a, a centerfold in uh, citizen journalism due to my recent coverage of uh, the Minneapolis riots, which burnt down the third precinct, uh, the Kenosha unrest, which took place 25 minutes from my home. I was on scene within an hour or so of Jacob Blake being shot as law enforcement tried to uh, de-escalate the situation and secure the crime scene as angry locals were throwing bricks through cars and even caught viral footage that the president of the United States saw. It was seen on every major news network. And here we 
have uh, independent journalists who's willing to go on any platform, whether it's Alex Jones or Iconic, or I'll be on the BBC tonight, and the mainstream media giving me an opportunity uh, as well, which is very unique. Not a lot of people, they have to join one tribe or another, but I'm just interested in getting people their facts. I don't care if it's Alex Jones, I don't care if it's the BBC, I don't care if CNN has me on, because I know that what I review is going to be genuine, it's going to be raw data, it's going to be information that can't be propagandized, and if so, the video footage will speak for itself. Uh, that's what I like to do. I like to get the news out there faster than the mainstream media can twist it. So uh, Kenosha unrest was real big. Obviously, I caught viral Kyle Rittenhouse footage as well. Um, I added 15 million views from the 25th alone on Twitter of law enforcement handing out water bottles to the uh, armed citizens. I actually had the initial video of Kyle Rittenhouse, and I spent the most time with Kyle Rittenhouse in the Kenosha protest. So I was subpoenaed in the middle of the court hearing of Kyle Rittenhouse because they didn't want to use my video as a narration. They said I had to subpoena me, otherwise otherwise it was hearsay. So I took the stand uh, and the, the prosecution um, used my video footage extensively, uh, but the defense used my footage as the main and final dagger in closing statements showing Joseph Rosenbaum with a chain within range of car lot number two where uh, there was arguments and tension and people were saying, well, there's no video footage of Joseph Rosenbaum at Carlot number two Clinton because the threat the threat was is uh, that Kyle Rittenhouse and Ryan Balsh claimed that Rosenbaum made threats to their life and said that they were if he found him alone, he was going to kill him. Uh, he was going to kill Kyle. He was going to gut him, uh, that kind of stuff. And then he said there's no video footage of Joseph Rosenbaum at that area at any time uh, and that Kyle instigated the situation. And it turns out I had the footage all along. So, uh, and I didn't even know because uh, Facebook only allows me to download my video in 480p. Uh, however, law enforcement got a high definition version of it and they were able to identify him better than I was because I don't have that blue check mark like all those famous people do. I can't, I can't get my streams, uh, you know, at 10, uh, ADP and download them like a normal person. So uh, that being said, that's kind of been my last year and it kind of snowballed into local citizens. Uh, I'm 100% funded. This whole trip has been funded by local citizens who started a GoFundMe campaign. They said, well, we want an independent journalist. We want Chris Don T. Harris here. He has a lot of research in the occult. Uh, you know, he's uh, done a lot of research in trafficking. He's done a lot of research in fringe stuff. But not only that, he's a credible journal journalist that's covered major things such as the Kyle Rittenhouse unrest, January 6th. Uh, December 12th in D.C., where four people were stabbed between Proud Boys and Antifa, um, you know, uh, as well as uh, most recently, obviously, the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. And so uh, a listener of the show started to go fund me and they have raised uh, an astounding amount of money, like forty six hundred dollars, which sounds like a lot. But New York City, that seems to go in like three weeks. Uh, hotels in New York City to sleep at the most roach motel is about two hundred dollars. So a night. So just think about that. That's without Subway and anything else. So we've been still trying to raise money. We thought it would take less, but it's going to be a little bit more expensive than we thought. We also uh, filed transcripts. We're the only news outlet to file the transcripts for the Gilan Maxwell trial. Uh, by that, I mean, we actually have verbatim stenographer notes on the rundownlive.com of Annie Farmer, of Kate's testimony, of Jane Doe's testimony, of, uh, you know, Carolyn's testimony, the Butler's testimony, the Kelly McGuire testimony. And we'll get into all of that, I'm sure, during this show. But I just wanted to give you guys a little bit of a background about who I am. I've probably covered 100 protests, but that's not all I do. I, I cover a lot of esoteric things as well. I, I do a lot of research of uh, ancient megalithic structures within the United States, which is a passion of mine. I, I make good with a lot of archaeological societies uh, and, you know, I anthropological society experts. And I, I go back and forth. I love it. I, I get to do what I want. And my passions, yeah, I'm not living a luxurious life, like let's say a Gilan Maxwell or some of these uh, mainstream media goons. Uh, but I'm here and I'm able to give you guys uh, what you guys want. And that's for you guys to be a part of exposing the corruption behind Jeffrey Epstein and Gilan Maxwell or Ghislaine or Glenn or Gislaine. It's funny, they call her a different name uh, every time, almost like it's an MK Ultra thing in court. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, they, it seems like they have a different name for, for every attorney, every witness calls or something different. And it's just bizarre to me.
that is bizarre, isn't it? We'll come back to that because it's really interesting. So, like, before we move on to the, to the, the Gisley Maxwell, Gisley Maxwell, Glenn Maxwell case, I wanted to just sort of say, as someone who, who goes out there and does this stuff, how what sort of sacrifices does it take? I mean, I'm a family man. I've got a kid. I can't go out and travel and do all these things. What sort of personal sacrifices does it take to be a citizen journalist and really be out there and be able to travel over here, travel over there? I mean, it must be kind of a lone wolf type life. Yeah, absolutely. It is a very lonely life, but it's a sacrifice you make for knowledge. The, 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 the adventure for knowledge and truth is a lifelong mission. And if you have that crusader gene, such as um, uh, my buddy G. Edward Griffin would call it, the, the crusader gene, um, you know, you just have that urging to be doing something. Maybe you're in your life and you're doing something that you know you're not supposed to be. You're miserable in your life. You have a job, you're miserable. Maybe you were meant to do something else. You're, you feel like you were meant for more. Uh, that's how I feel about what I was doing. In fact, I took a two-year vacation from doing talk, uh, talk radio and politics, and it was miserable because people would run into me at my job and be like, hey, I used to listen to you on the radio. Why aren't you on the radio anymore? Why aren't you giving us information? Why did you decide to do this? And it's... Uh, it's interesting. It's not a very lavish lifestyle. It's always on the road and it's lonely, but at the same point, it's for the purpose of bringing genuine information so that you guys can make proper decisions and digest proper information so you can grow positive ideas in your brain. Because if you eat GMO news or fake news or mis, uh, misinformation or disinformation, those are the type of ideas in the crops you're going to grow in your mind. So, you know, I think it's really important that, uh, you know, I do this and I felt it was my mission in this lifetime to accomplish as much as I can and bring awareness amongst being and researching many other things. So the last two years must have been incredible for you, for someone who's done all the research for many, many years. I mean, I've been doing this for about 10 years, but to see what's happening now and then to see everything, all these agenda points being pushed, pushed forward, something seemed to have spooked this cabal cult, as I like to call it, to speed everything up. And it seemed to happen around about the Weinstein Maxwell type time. Was there a point where you thought, OK, this stuff's bubbling to the surface? What used to be considered stuff that alternative media only really spoke about now is so blatantly obvious, even with the COVID thing underneath it. There's all of this Hollywood. There's all of this Ghislaine Maxwell stuff, child trafficking stuff. It's all connected. What were your thoughts of thinking, OK, this is the time now. My work is going to now speed up or people are going to become more receptive to what I'm talking about? Well, it's one of those things where I think 2020, obviously, uh, I, I assumed that there was something going to happen because under UN Agenda 21, the year 2021 was always very important to the elite. Back in 1992, uh, George Bush uh, Sr. got the United States involved into a very nefarious piece of globalist Adam Weishaupt utopian agenda type document called UN Agenda 21, which establishes a global government, a global education, a global, you know, cling, clingy and uh, uh, clever cliche words like uh, smart growth and uh, sustainable development and common core curriculum. And now we're at CRT, critical race theory, and all these other clever names to slowly, you know, degrade American citizens to the point where they are just developing activists now in school. So uh, I'm seeing this as uh, everything that we've learned and prepared for coming to fruition. And people who are being tribal about it, they're basically doubling down. They don't know how to deal with their logical fallacies, their cognitive dissonance. And what, what do you do? It's just like some of the people that were on the right and were involved in a lot of those fringe 8chan and 4chan platforms believing, you know, some QA nonsense, you know. Uh, it, it was, it, it's essentially people, they, they doubled down, they tripled down, they quadrupled down because it's easier to lie to someone and get them to believe a lie than to convince them that they've been lied to. And we really need a focus and root out our cognitive dissonance. That's one reason why I believe a lot of influencers listen to my program that airs five days a week on KGRA, The Rundown Live, is because we focus a lot on logical fallacies. For example, I'll give you an example. Uh, the Atlantic recently wrote an article claiming 
that there is no child trafficking epidemic. But yet there's photographs of Gilan Maxwell and the owner of the Atlantic in bikinis hanging out together and being all cozy. Uh, there's no coverage by CNN really on this. But yet now we have the new pedophile ring. It's CNN. Surprise. And yet you hear the owner of CNN, his wife has pictures alongside Ghislaine Maxwell as well. And I'm not saying pictures are enough to incriminate anyone, but it should at least give you an idea to raise an eyebrow, just like all the new names that have been listed in this trial. Uh, some of them we known, uh, some of them we haven't known that have been equated uh, to Jeffrey Epstein that make you go, hmm. That's exactly right. So how, how integral do you think this case is to this whole agenda? And I mean, including the COVID agenda, because these people are obviously involved. You've got Bill Gates involved. You've got, um, you've got uh, even Stephen Hawkins was on the island. How he got there, I don't know. Might not have been of his own volition, to be fair. He is pushed in a wheelchair. So we don't know if he got there and wanted to go there. But the fact is, like, these names that are involved in it are involved with the same circuit of people. Do you, do you think that that's the reason why everyone's just shifted over there? Let's not look at it, because this seems to be quite crucial to me, to the whole agenda, because the names that are involved with the agenda tend to be involved with these same trafficking circles of satanic kind of paedophile, um, satanic kind of rituals, as we know, that go way back to ancient Rome. These sort of things. It seems like this is very, very crucial. It's almost like the lid's off the pot and they want to sweep this under the carpet. Well, I believe it goes one step further back to Babylon. There was an evil empress named Semiramis who installed child sacrifice and or uh, human uh, cannibalism. In fact, Hannah and Baal is, means Babylonian priest, essentially. And, um, you know, these ideologies of child sacrifice to get energy and sex magic with Nimrod and Semiramis to uh, initiate the all-seeing guy and become, you know, some kind of, uh, you know, illuminated individual, hence why people wear a crown. The crown represents the sun because the king is supposed to illuminate them. Uh, all that information is just background to understand that that's how the elite believe. That's what they believe. It's the thousand points of light in the sky. It's Nimrod, the sun deity, his mother wife, Saman Ramas, the lady in the moon, and another thousand followers, the stars in the sky. And when you start looking at the esoteric level, it, it like the patterns in what we are seeing does not mean coincidence because coincidence doesn't create patterns, if you understand what I'm saying. So when we see these names, the like Bill Clinton, who obviously was into more mature women, I'm not saying that he was there for that reason at all. He could have been there for getting blackmail information since the Clintons, and I interviewed Larry Nichols, their bodyguard who passed, God rest his soul. Uh, he mentioned that that was their priority when they got into any major office is to find out who they could blackmail and who they could use information against. And boy, not only could Slick Willie get some blackmail information, he could have some, a good time. Um, some people that were named uh, that, I, you know, we should, you know, like Kevin Spacey, anyone surprised by that? Anyone surprised that Bill Clinton or Kevin Spacey uh, was on that list? Uh, John Glenn, the astronaut, uh, he was on the flight logs. Uh, Chris Tucker from the famous actor from Rush Hour. He was on the flight logs. Uh, Les Wexner, Victoria's Secret, uh, you know, exec, unlimited company. Uh, he was a, a very big uh, individual that was involved with Jeffrey Epstein. And we can't forget Bill Gates, who wasn't mentioned at all in this trial. Not once. And Bill Gates hung out with Jeffrey Epstein after he knew he was accused of rape on top of it. And, uh, you know, and no one, where's, where's the Me Too movement going after Bill Bill Gates. It's funny how he is so immune to all these things because he holds the key as Dr. Blue Screen, the man who can crash his computers and has no degree, but yet he's in head of the World Health Organization. And we're supposed to take our upgrade on our computer chip. Uh, just kidding. But, you know, our vaccine, we need to upgrade every, you know, six months, just like we do in our computer. That's why I call him Dr. Blue Screen, because, you know, he crashed a computer, an uncrashable one in 2002 at a major tech conference when he said Windows NT was uncrashable so we just call him dr blue screen around here we make fun of him he's nefarious but he's just one of those guys that you know like uh dr strange glove fauci over there who always has the weird glove on it's you got to make fun of him yeah otherwise
otherwise you give them too much power. And, uh, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of these individuals like Bill Gates, who's to say that he was a gathering blackmail information and getting initiation from top doctors, uh, World Health Organization, in order to get their buy-in to go along with this COVID, uh, you know, epidemic experiment. Uh, we do know that there was nefarious conversations and speeches by Henry Kissinger at the World Health Organization in 2009 about vaccines. Uh, there's just all these things out there that kind of just the, the pattern is there. Uh, you know, Bill Gates saying that we can depopulate the world by 10 to 15% through vaccination, healthcare, and reproductive services at a TED conference, and doctors standing up and clapping. It, it's become to the point where COVID, uh, and the 20 doctors that I've uh, interviewed, doctors and nurses, most of them say that the PCR tests can't differentiate between pneumonia, the flu, and uh, coronavirus. And if you look, there's no flu numbers. Well, my, my best friend's daughter works for Children's Hospital. They've got no flu entries this year, just coronavirus uh, for children. And it's amazing because they say, well, the masks are working. Well, if the masks are working, why aren't they working for the coronavirus and just a flu virus? It's just, uh, it's very interesting. It's very interesting when we talk about this and the plan it has and how it might all tie in, including with the Epstein Island affair. Not to mention uh, Jeffrey Epstein was heavily involved in things like transhumanism, which I am too, but I, I joined the transhumanist party not because I want to live forever, but because I want to challenge the ethics of transhumanism. Uh, although I think it would be great if I organically and living health-wise could live an extra couple hundred years. Would I want a robot heart or a robot brain? Uh, I don't think so. But um, I think it's important we challenge these things. Uh, we research, we do our investigation, and we go after uh, these individuals in a very proper professional way and get them, uh, you know, you, you attack them at the head instead of going after all the little Goombas that they put out there. You got to go for the roots and um, really focus on these issues to bring down this cabal. Uh, and I don't know if we're going to see that here. Uh, we can talk a little bit about this trial, but the trial has exposed some names. That's just some of the names. There's more names. We might get into some more of those here today. Oh, Fidel Castro. Uh, there was photographs that we saw uh, that a video that they had of Fidel Castro and Jeffrey Epstein, the Pope and Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, and keep in mind, the biggest thing here is that Jeffrey Epstein is not on trial. Elon Maxwell is on trial. And that was the opening statement. And it was kind of a powerful one by the defense lawyers. Uh, the defense lawyers are out outclassed and are outclassing and um, I would say in many ways way better than the prosecution. However, they are a $7 million investment for our lawyer team. Uh, but I do think that the prosecution has put together uh, great rebuttals that have dismantled the strong defense. So what we're seeing here is the prosecution wants to say that uh, due to the four victims, which are Jane Doe, we now know that to be Nadia from Days of Our Lives, famous soap opera star. Uh, we have Katie. We also have Carolyn. And then we have Annie Farmer, who are all victims, and they went through their grooming process. We have all those witness testimonies. But my biggest concern, and just like the defense ran with it, is the only reason why Gilan Maxwell is on trial is because Jeffrey Epstein hung himself. And that's what they're trying to say, because they don't believe that the prosecution has, uh, I think, enough evidence to support that. They didn't, out of, out of 40,000 pictures and videos that they acquired from dozens and dozens of hard drives and binders full of CDs, uh, they've only used 40 images. Uh, that means there's 39,660 photographs and images and videos that may have had Ghislaine Maxwell, images of Ghislaine Maxwell in nefarious situations that were not used at all. And I have to ask why have the yeah. prosecution not brought that up? Also, the prosecution was protecting names. There were times when the judge said, you know, those names aren't redacted. And they said, well, we just feel that they're irrelevant, but they could have been big names that were on the flights and on the flight logs. So there's some questions here, but that was the initial breakout. The, the prosecution wants to say that, uh, you know, Maxwell trafficked these women. She groomed them. There was grooming interviews. And based on the witness testimonies of all four girls, it seems like there were grooming interviews. And for the listeners out there that don't know what a grooming interview is, I'll give you an exact verbatim per se uh, testimony of Jane Doe One, who is also known as Nadia from Days of Our Lives, famous soap opera star who risked 
being exposed to go out and expose this. So I think it gives her some credibility. She had a lot to lose. There's no money involved here. Uh, and basically what she said is when she was in 13, she went to a special camp for excelling and uh, being an amazing singer. It's an arts camp where the top children go, kind of the where the children of the elite go to become the next movie star, the next rock star, or the next, you know, Picasso or, or Beethoven, whatever it is, it's a school of the arts. And they have a summer camp, it costs $4,000. And I guess Jeffrey Epstein went and attended every year. Well, she stated that Gilan Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein sat her down at the young age of 13 and had a, uh, what I would call a grooming interview. They identified that Jane, Jane's father died he was a famous conductor of an orchestra. Jeffrey Epstein knew him and knew of him, okay? Uh, also, we know that her mother was homeless and was living in a neighbor's beach house uh, with her and her two brothers, and they were all sleeping in the same bed. So they're very in need of money. And she had no way to really afford going to the summer camp, uh, this music of elite musicians and artists and drama summer camp in Interlock in Michigan. So he identified it or they identified a way they could come in and be the hero. And the grooming happened when she started going to uh, Epstein's home. So she started going to Epstein's home. The first interview was with her and her mother. And I think her mother came for the second interview where they had her sing for her. And then she started coming alone. But what they start to do is in the home, there's pictures of orgies and nude women. And these are artistic, you know, versions of this. And you have these young girls walking around and they're slowly desensitized. And then Epstein started to have women over who were walking around topless. So she he started to normalize the grooming, taking these girls to movies which were sexually explicit. And then uh, Gillian Maxwell one day says, well, we're going to go give Jeffrey a massage. So she took Jane Doe into the massage room and showed her how Jeffrey likes to be massaged. And first it started out with just the feet and then it's the back and then it's the front chest. And then, you know, maybe a couple of visits later, they started massaging his private parts uh, until one day she said that she took her into a beach house and uh, masturbated in front of her and had her, uh, I think he groped her chest um, and other things. And uh, he uh, literally ejaculated on her at the young age of 14. And this is a very uh, similar, um, and I know this is very graphic, but I'm giving you the details. Uh, this is just one of three accounts. The other three accounts all had very similar stories. Grooming, they came in, Jeffrey Epstein offered to pay for schooling. Uh, one was a model, one was a drought, you know, very prominent, had opportunity to be uh, excelling at music as well. And, you know, he's paying for their school. Uh, Annie Farmer's sister worked for uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, Jeffrey Epstein. And, uh, you know, I've reached out to her and she said the butler was the worst of them all, but we'll get into that maybe a little later. Annie Farmer um, testified very similar massage room. Um, Ghislaine Maxwell was massaging her, massaging her breasts. But Jane, Jane Doe said that uh, they would have orgies and that he'd bring in additional women and they would all massage him. And then they would have, you know, menage a trois and other things with these young girls. So I think that he did a lot of grooming. And then eventually at Little St. James, the importance of them being underage, because keep in mind, a billionaire could probably get a female that is of age, but yet looks young may look 12 or 13. So what was the importance of them being underage? Was it power? Was it wanting to have something that no one else could have? Or is it the fact that he was using some kind of psychological MK ultra-esque, uh, you know, uh, mind control type ways of grooming women in order to get them ready and prepared to go to Little St. James and be part of a blackmail operation where they filmed everything that happened on the island. There was cameras in every room and it was admitted that there was videos of like Bill Clinton and Donald Trump there and other things. Now, whether or not those things were ever procured, I can't say. I didn't see it. But this is the thing, isn't it? So obviously Robert Maxwell was Mossad. Um, Janine Maxwell's father was Mossad. So would it have been Janine Maxwell? How did they find Epstein? Epstein, I believe, was a school teacher. Was he not? Did they root? Did they specifically go out? Did Janine find him? She was already in that circle. He wasn't. So how did he become part of that if he was a school teacher? Well, I'm not quite sure. He was a school teacher for a very weird school. He didn't have any degree. Like he, he had no 
college degree and being a teacher. So it's interesting to see him be a part of that. Uh, I find all that information very interesting. Elon Maxwell, Jeffrey Epstein, uh, they met and they they hit it off. And basically, he was a at that time he was already a big real estate mongol. Uh, he was already dealing in real estate. And I think Elon Maxwell uh, was the perfect accomplice because she could offer security with the woman, these young girls, and make them feel comfortable. See, this is what grown women do. You look up to me, uh, you know. And then if there was anything nefarious or claims, she could say, "Well, I was in the room with Jeffrey. We just gave him a massage." That's that's you know she's exaggerating and. And, you know, did you get the money, by the way? All these girls were getting money. Carolyn received $300 uh, for giving fellatio, um, you know, and uh, some of the other girls reported that uh, Jane, that whenever she left, she'd get hundreds of dollars to give to her mother. Uh, it seems like everything, Carolyn's boyfriend would drop her off. I think they split the money too. It almost seemed like that they were being groomed and pimped out, just like Virginia Roberts. Uh, and uh, other individuals would try to find other girls to go over to Jeffries. Because let, let's face it, in the in the 90s and early 2000s, $300 was a lot of money. That that was like a week's wages, you know. And here are these girls going there maybe you know three, four, five times a week. They said Jeffrey Epstein would receive up to three massages a day. So uh, and he would call in professional masseuses. And within his little black book, there wasn't one male masseuse in that book. So he seems like he could have been, as if, if he was making a lot of money already, put in those schools to particularly scout and find these young girls. And that's why he was there already, which could be a kind of operation that they run. I've seen people that psychologists that um, go around the colleges and around schools and um, could be doing the same thing as well. Um, so that's how they, they met. There's no, has there been any, well, actually the first question, people have been in the alternative media, I know this is not true, but I'd still like to get to say it. As someone who's been in the courtroom, Ghislaine Maxwell is in the courtroom. She's not an actress or a drawing. You know, it's funny. It's really interesting how influential TikTok is uh, in these platforms that are not censoring people. It's wonderful to have the freedom of speech, but we need to be weary and still remember to question everything and don't believe it unless you can prove it with your own two hands. Listen to everyone, but make sure you go and do your research before you sw spread misinformation. Yes, Gilan Maxwell's in the courtroom every day. In fact, she's taking every chance to get out of that jail cell she can. She was even there Saturday when she probably didn't have to be for the charging conference when there was only about three or four media personnel in the room and we had the op opportunity to actually you know get into the courtroom for a little while uh she's absolutely there um the jury is mostly male uh it's uh you know it's uh, i would say uh eight eight or seven or eight males to three or four women i don't know if that will play a part in that but uh you know, she's absolutely there. I remember when I was at the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, there was a video that went viral that said, oh, look, it's green screen. They're green screening it. Oh, like this guy's foot disappeared and all my friends are texting me and they're like, we're getting in arguments. Can you settle this? I'm like, yeah, here's a video of me being subpoenaed in the middle of the trial, three rows behind, you know, Thomas Finger. And here's the PBS video of the exact same video of what was going on on TikTok that showed the guy's foot evaporating. Well, here it is. It's there. Obviously, it's a deep fake. Uh, somebody's editing video and they're just making clickbait. So I, the idea that Elon Maxwell is not there, um, that's false. That's fake. And I know that because of the fact that Jeffrey Epstein, um, you know, he may not have killed himself or he may not be dead at all. Who knows uh, these days? Cause I didn't see the body. I didn't go follow it up, but based on what was accepted, he's dead um, based on what the mainstream media believes. They believe it's suicide, but it's interesting that Elon Maxwell has come out and uh, I had an opportunity on multiple occasions to try to speak to Isabel Maxwell and Kevin Maxwell, including getting viral footage of them coming out of the courthouse just the other day. Uh, you know, they don't, they they said that they don't feel that Gilan doesn't feel that Epstein killed himself, that he, that he absolutely was murdered and that he wouldn't uh, kill himself. So that in and of itself is a conspiracy theory that I think is worth looking into. But saying that Elon Maxwell is not there, uh, I think that's just a bunch of uh, malarkey, trollism. And now by me saying this, those same people will say, well, he's part of the PSYOP, you know, and he's involved in this deep. Look, he was also at the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. Listen, I saw two people shot right in front of me and people still wanted to say it was a 
government psyop. And I'm trying to tell you that Kevin Rittenhouse was just a foolish young boy that made bad decisions and happened that they weren't illegal. And, uh, you know, he shouldn't be deified. He shouldn't be glorified. And, uh, you know, in this case scenario too, uh, you know, Ghislaine Maxwell, it, there's no coverage of it. It's the exact opposite of what we saw at the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. There was hundreds of media outside that courthouse every day. They had tents out there every day. It was uh, wild. Here, uh, for almost two weeks, we had less than maybe three or four, uh, maybe three to four, maybe six media people with cameras that would arrive at the end of the conference. And there'd be like one tripod sitting there from the beginning of the con from the day to the, the end of the day. And uh, there's a lot of citizen journalists here. There's a lot of local citizens who are interested in this trial and the mainstream media like what i've seen there i've seen vanity of course we've seen slate which i don't know how good that is slate aren't they the ones that said uh had an article that said i'm a pedophile i'm not a monster not me but like they had an article that said that uh, so the vanity fair uh yahoo news i mentioned the new york times uh the inquirers here a tabloid you know um and there's a today there was literally about 10 times as many journalists as what we've seen even on the first day every overflow room was filled they had additional ones so people have have an interest in the ending of this trial and uh, i'm interested to see where it goes because i'm very torn on them having enough evidence to indict Ghislaine maxwell I really am because of the fact is we're in a modern day age where people rely on videos, they rely on photographs, they rely on things like that. They brought out Annie Farmer's boot from 20 or 30 years ago, and that was evidence, you know, and that's gonna that's supposed to convince people that, uh, you know, Gilan Maxwell was involved in trafficking with her. It was a very weak argument, and I don't feel that the prosecution, uh, except for with the memory expert, and I want to get into uh, Elizabeth Loftus, because uh, it was a very intellectual way, because that's how the closing statements went today. They were attacking the memory of these women. They were attacking the credibility of these women. They were saying a lot of it was camphibia which is creating memories that uh, tie things together because you forgot what happened in between certain times, uh, changing uh, stories between prior uh, interviews with the FBI's. Uh, they literally had half of Annie Farmer's testimony redacted uh, by the defense. So the defense has done a very, has been very clever. And I believe that the prosecution, although I believe wholeheartedly that she's guilty as can be, I believe that they left enough doubt that Ghislaine Maxwell potentially could get off of all the charges. But I do believe that she would be charged with perjury for lying under oath, which is another case of charges. And so, you know, for her birthday on December 25th, there might be a chance of her getting off and everything being wrapped up by Wednesday. But uh, in the other aspect of things, I think that a lot of the jurors were shooting darts with their eyes at Elon Maxwell. I know there's a lot of people that have gotten in the room other than myself and other individuals. And I've asked and they said, well, you know, the the the, the jurors seem to be sending darts at her with their eyes. They don't seem to be very uh, happy with her. I think um, that we have to see how it pulls on their heartstrings and how they feel if they go emotionally after this and they believe the testimonies because they do take oaths. Testimonies are considered fact, right? Uh, either telling the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help you God. And here they are, they're dismantling it by pointing out inconsistencies and saying, well, here's memory doubts, here's memory contamination. These are impregnated memories. These could have been recommended because these four girls, they associate with each other uh, outside of of the courthouse. They've talked to each other for years. Uh, they could have been uh, cross-contaminating their stories uh, and they had money to be made. So basically they're saying these victims are here to get money uh, that they got in the past for publicity and uh, that their memory is faulty. In fact, Elon Maxwell had nothing to do with what Jeffrey Epstein was doing, that she was never around, that she wasn't, that the flight logs that have uh, initials for, let's say, Jane Doe, um, they, those don't count because they don't have her full name, uh, Nadia uh, Borlin or whatever it is. Uh, just because it has NB, uh, we don't know for sure. That could be somebody else. Uh, there's a lot of things that they're using to dismantle and create doubt in the jury. And if they buy into it, uh, I believe there's a chance she gets acquitted, but there's also very strong testimonies and detailed testimonies of group sex, of, uh, you know, sex toys, of uh, massages and um, 
Epstein, you know, holding hands with 13-year-old girls, massaging their legs in movie theaters uh, while going with both Annie Farmer and her sister, Maria Farmer. And uh, other questions have been is, where was Virginia Roberts? She was on the subpoena list, uh, all, which is interesting. And she didn't show up at all, as well as uh, we found out on Saturday that the reason why there hasn't been as many witnesses as both the prosecution promised and the defense promised is because the government refused to grant immunity for anyone that testified. So that could both mean they're planning on charging other individuals, but I think it's more so that those key witnesses may have unleashed or brought even more attention to individuals that are involved in the Epstein trafficking case. Because there's nothing, has there been any speak talk of Prince Andrew at all during this? Yes, uh, Prince Andrew has been brought up multiple times, uh, both in the transcripts. Those transcripts are located at the rundownlive.com. Uh, Annie Farmer, uh, you can look at the, uh, like there's the Annie Farmer transcript, there's Jane Doe, Carolyn. Uh, there's also, um, you know, Katie's uh, transcript. Katie's transcript would be the one you'd be interested in because there's a lot to do with uh, British royalty and individuals be working at doing some kind of, uh, you know, drugs and setting people up and who else was equated with Epstein. But uh, Prince Andrew has come up several times. Uh, I didn't hear Justin Trudeau, uh, but he may have been brought up because I've heard people say he was brought up. But sometimes I leave to go use the John or use the bathroom per se. I might miss or I might need to stand up and relax for a few minutes. And so I probably missed, you know, 15 minutes a day. And so there's a good opportunity that uh, some of that stuff might be in the transcripts. Uh, but uh, I did hear Prince Andrew multiple times being mentioned, including trafficking. And I think it related to Virginia Roberts, if I remember correctly. And they also missed, mentioned a Sarah Kellen, uh, who was not there or subpoenaed either. And she also was in charge of grooming and getting girls for Jeffrey Epstein. This is a, <coughs> forgive me, I've got a bit of a cold at them. So they've not never gone to Epstein Island and tried to have a look at this place, investigate this place. What are your take on the tunnels underneath this place? As people talk about the tunnels being filled in and all of this stuff came out, obviously, when it was um, first all sort of sprung on us. What is your take on why they have, why haven't we investigated this place? Why has this place not been looked at in detail? Well, I know that uh, there's an underground underground, like there's a multiple basements of levels of tiers of basements. Um, uh, I don't know why the FBI wouldn't, but I do know it might, it might have something to do with the Kelly McGuire transcript we acquired. Um, there's some very peculiar inconsistencies that will blow your mind on the police raid on Jeffrey Epstein's mansion on, in New York. Uh, and Kelly McGuire was the agent who actually uh, went and docketed all the evidence and collected it. And they saw it into, with a diamond blade saw, uh, into Jeffrey Epstein's safe, which acquired, which had uh, hard drives and CD binders. Well, they couldn't collect all that because they didn't have a warrant for what was in the safe, so they left them there. Also, uh, they went into uh, the closets and found totes of hard drives um, as well. Uh, and binders of CDs. The hard drives of their computers were missing. So Jeffrey Epstein was definitely tipped off that the FBI was coming. Uh, the other thing is, is who in the FBI tipped them off? Uh, and then the most bizarre thing I've, I can tell you that I've ever heard in my life is the fact that the FBI, when they went back and retrieved these totes of hard drives, they weren't there. The the defense's lawyers had to give it to the prosecution because they had a warrant for it. It already had evidence tape on it. And the FBI said, we didn't put this evidence tape here. And, uh, you know, and then they asked, well, do you know who? Well, they had no idea who put the evidence tape there. There should be a whole chain based on the evidence tape, who, what agency covered it, what part of it was being researched. And it makes you wonder if the evidence was tampered and, or if those were uh, markings of things that could not be used because it would incriminate maybe uh, FBI assets that are within the cabal trying to expose it and, or information that could be used for blackmail. Out of 339,960 photographs and videos, they only used 40 in the trial. That's incredible. That's incredible. So 
they could go there. They couldn't physically take the computers and the hard drives, but what stopped them from taking the information off the computers and the hard drives? Well, the hard drives from the computers were gone when they got there, meaning okay. somebody tipped off Jeffrey Epstein. However, they didn't have a warrant for the stuff in the safe. And so when they came back for the stuff in the safe, it was gone. And it must have been several days. And, uh, and then uh, it turned out that the lawyers uh, for the defense, which is Ghislaine Maxwell or Jeffrey Epstein at the time, procured it. Um, and so allegedly they're the same binders with CDs and DVDs. Allegedly they're the, all the hard drives that were left there. Uh, but we don't really know. They didn't take pictures of the serial numbers from what I saw, you know, to say, these are the same hard drives we left there. These are the same binders that left there. It wasn't like they opened up and showed us that they had a picture of every page and it was the exact same. Here's the binder in the courtroom. Let's show it to you. In fact, they used very little physical hard evidence. Everything was mostly for the most part, testimony, log books, uh, Epstein phone books, um, you know, they had the Butler testimony, which we have, which corroborated that he found after massages, sex toys in the massage rooms. Uh, there's just a whole bunch of information that collaborates that, uh, you know, Nadia, excuse me, Jane Doe One, Katie, Carolyn and Annie Farmer stories may have a lot of truth to them. But I think that the defense did a pretty good job of it providing some kind of wedge of doubt, at least for some of the jury, especially when they brought on uh, Elizabeth Loftus, who had 47 pages of accomplishments. And they said, oh, that single line, ha, 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 look at all these accomplishments. And she's literally a gatekeeper for, you know, psychological, uh, you know, committees that produ produce and decide what is a valid experiment and what is not. And she did MK Ultra type experiments. Some of them were like this. Uh, she literally tricked a whole bunch of people by asking them uh, if they had fond memories of meeting Bu Bu uh, Bugs Bunny at Disney World. Well, as you know, a lot of these people said, yeah, I remember meeting Bugs Bunny at Disney World and I shook his hand, but Bugs Bunny isn't Disney, he's Warner Brothers. Yeah. So you see uh, the psychological aspect of it or they'll change a the color of a story. Uh, you know, what color was the car that got in an accident? Uh, if we use the term crash instead of accident, do they think that people are going faster? Uh, what, you know, it's called, uh, you know, memory contamination and it's contaminated based on, you know, su suggestions. And so based on these suggestions that confirm people's beliefs, they tend to adopt it into their psychology of that's what happened, even though they didn't witness it. But that would be for almost ambient information. It wouldn't right. be for a, a solid, no, traumatic, solid traumatic situation where you're sexually abused over a long period of time. It's not quite the same as remembering that you possibly saw Bugs Bunny or, or, or <laughs> Mickey Mouse. It's not quite the same. It's almost like a false equivalence, I would say, completely. No, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I see this and it's crazy that they bring her on. And then uh, I think this is the only time I really think the prosecution showed a lot of heart and passion. Um, Pomerantz, who came out and she was a little firecracker, five feet tall, brunette, came out and really dissected and discredited uh, Loftus by suggesting that she's never treated anyone. She's never uh, had a psychological patient. She's only done experimentation. She, she that uh, trauma. In fact, at some points, uh, her testimony benefited the prosecution because she said trauma victims are less likely to uh, forget main details. But when it comes to some of the fuzzy outer outer details, the smaller things that aren't less or that are a little less important to the main um, trauma impact. Uh, they tend to remember it very clearly because it was so traumatizing and it's less likely to be distorted. And so I think that was a big, big home run for the prosecution showing heart. So I do believe uh, after listening to the prosecution today, give their closing statements, they gave very go go uh, good closing statements. I got to hear uh, the rebuttal from the defense and they dismantled a large part of the closing uh, statements of the prosecution, but I do believe that uh, there's enough information there that if people do take these testimonies seriously of these four victims, that 
uh, they would be incriminating enough to put her away in jail. But I do believe uh, if they, the, the jurors decide to go strictly by the books, strictly by evidence, and identifying testimonies as mostly hearsay, that these memories aren't accurate, that if they buy into it, we could have a hung jury or even an acquittal. And uh, I don't think it will be a hung jury. Uh, I'm thinking that it's either we're going to have her uh, charged on all charges, or it may just be an acquittal. It's an all or nothing thing, um, just because of the fact that uh, all these women had very similar stories of grooming, of uh, you know, desensitization, taking advantage of a minor. Uh, that's another thing. On Saturday at the charging conference, they decided to change the terminology from an underage minor to under 17. Right. And what would be you the know. difference? Uh, there's none. It just might be the play on words or the psychological, just a little bit more accurate maybe. You know, and so the, the defense is making the argument that uh, these girls don't remember when they actually were at Epstein's, uh, you know, Annie Farmer's testimony, I believe, about when she saw, or it was a Carolyn, it was one of the girls, I'd have to remember, I get them a little mixed up because they have similar stories. They went to go see The Lion King and she got, she was off by a year. So actually she may have been 16 or 17 and not 15 or 14. Um, and they're trying to say that all these girls for the most part were 17 or 18 and these girls just got their years wrong. And, uh, and they've been systematically trying to go through old records to prove these things. And on occasion, They've proved that these girls have been off maybe by a year or they've gotten situations because like with Carolyn, she was at Epstein's hundreds of times, got different dates and times mixed up. I mean, if you're over at somebody's house a hundred times, imagine trying to keep all your dates yeah. accurate. You know, it's improbable. It's not likely. Uh, but I really hope there's a prosecution, obviously, but I could see that there is uh, an opportunity where the jury could come back and say that they don't have, uh, you know, enough evidence to, uh, prosecute because uh, there wasn't enough cases made to give them, you know, the ability to indict without a shadow of doubt that she's guilty, you know, and I think that's really what they're playing for. Uh, Gilan Maxwell, uh, she spoke on Saturday and she had like three words, or Friday, excuse me, last week Friday, and had like three words to say. And it was, uh, or not three words, three sentences to say. It was something along the lines of uh, the, the, the prosecution was unable is unable to prove that I am guilty beyond a shadow of a doubt. So therefore I'm pleading the fifth and I do not feel the need that I need to testify. And that was basically it, you know, and that's all she had to say the whole trial while she's drinking her coffee and, and she's joking around with her sister who's sitting around behind her and she's talking to everyone in the audience back there, her brother, Kevin and uh, Isabel and their family lawyer who's sitting. Uh, I've never seen so much interaction from a defendant with uh, people sitting in the courtroom. I just have it. Uh, I just, I don't know if I'm the only one that noticed it, but for the first couple of weeks, there was just a lot of interaction. I also saw Isabel Maxwell uh, after they broke for lunch, after the initial, um, what I would say, flogging by, uh, of uh, the prosecution by um, Elizabeth Loftus before the rebuttal, they were all hugging and giddy giddy in the hallway as I saw Elizabeth and, uh, you know, Isabel Maxwell going into the lawyer's office and they were all, you know, kind of hugging and laughing and they're excited, but really the prosecution came out with their a game on Friday night and dismantled, uh, Elizabeth Loftus their star witnesses, uh, you know, whole ideology. And, and she would, she even went as far as giving the jurors a class, on psychology and writing, you know, uh, making little pic pictures and giving details of how the psychology works, the retaining the memory, then holding the memory, and then recalling the memory, and then how the different ways of contamination can happen. Uh, something as simple as doing drugs or uh, having a conversation. And here I'll give you an example. Uh, this is the exact. Uh, diagram that she used to do that i copied it down as she was making it but basically what it says is that your memory can be contaminated and what they're trying to get out of her is that there's no way to 100 percent, without a shadow of doubt confirm that all memories are accurate like nobody's memory can be confirmed to be accurate without a shadow of a doubt essentially is what they're trying to say to give them uh you know some kind of uh leeway maybe some doubt in the jury's mind and uh, Elizabeth Loftus provided uh, that kind of mentality for them. Also, uh, the most 
the most bombshell moment on Friday was the fact that uh, Pomerantz, the lawyer for the prosecution, asked the question, isn't it true that you were a witness for Harvey Weinstein? And that set the whole, the whole, the whole uh, jury and everyone just uh, uh, like a gasp. They were all like, <gasps> like whoa! And you know, everyone was kind of. Some people were clapping and cheering, but then they had to do a sidebar. And for some reason, the judge would not allow that line of questioning. Uh, I don't know why, but it would. I mean, don't you think the jury could, should know that that's interesting? That he, she's out there protecting other individuals of similar cases, yeah. and she's made a whole career writing a book on basically getting these type of individuals off, including people who have potentially been murderers, uh, you know, child molesters. It's kind of like Hillary Clinton. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> absurd. Yeah. Yeah. These people and you've seen them come up and up again. And uh, Weinstein's obviously um, was connected to people like Oprah and all of these lot. He said Dave Geffen, these guys in the Hollywood as well. One thing I do want to pick up before we move on is Isabel Maxwell. She's also uh, she's listed as the, techni the technical pioneer of the World Economic Forum. And I want to say this is because I do Bilderberg, huh? She's yeah, she's part of the World Economic Forum, Isabel Maxwell. So I didn't know that. So I can some, ask her about that. Yeah, Isabel Sylvia Margaret Maxwell. Um, she was acquired by um sorry, Maxwell has been listed as a technological pioneer of the World Economic Forum. Um, so she's part of this, and I do wonder. But why this whole pandemic is kicking off and a pandemic? I don't believe it's a pandemic. They changed the the the, the um that some of the stuff that they found on Epstein Island or some of the stuff that they've got is being used to kind of maybe um blackmail some of these governors, some of these Bill Gates types into some of the stuff they're doing because what they're doing is absurd. And anyone with half a what functioning brain can see that this is not anywhere near what they're saying it is. But they're being pushed through of some fear coming from somewhere else does it i i feel like there's a reason why we're not looking at this is there a i mean you know that bill gates was with maxwell um uh sorry um was with uh epstein there is possibly there's links here that's what i'm trying to say well yeah he hasn't been mentioned once but the one thing i find very interesting about what you're saying uh i emailed the bilderberg group this this spring uh, because this year would have been the year it would have been in the United States. I attended in 2017 to cover the event in-depthly. Uh, and um, for the last two years, there's been no Bilderberg Group meeting. Klaus Schwab, which was kind of in charge of the Bilderberg Group in some shapes and forms, started the World Economic Forum. But So now I believe that basically it's potentially true that the World Economic Forum is basically Bilderberg, except for here it is out in the open and uh, the information is out there to see. I'd be interested to see if Isabel Maxwell ever attended Bilderberg because that's the global think tank where they have open conversations about depopulation, about eugenics, about real political issues. But you or I aren't allowed to be part of the conversation only the elitists the top politicians the top in military the top in you know if you had 50 stars of movie stars athletes doctors you'd have media up your rear end there yeah. and i've covered bilderberg there was no one there in 2017 there's at one point there's maybe you know 15 media people uh yes i think that the uk guardian was there i believe that uh rt was there for a day and maybe al jazeera but that was it everything else was me the rundown live that's my show uh i was there um i think that Infowars by alex jones uh, uh owen schroyer was there and i spent my whole time hanging out with mark anderson who was jim tucker's protege uh and i made real good friends with him and to this day uh we still keep in touch he does a show called stop the presses and from time to time we communicate and he's a wonderful individual but uh i wouldn't be surprised because uh, let's be honest, uh, when we start looking at the bloodlines of these organizations, the Council on Foreign Relations was basically founded by offspring of former members of the Bavarian Illuminati and Adam Weishaupt utopianism, uh, as well as a lot of these other uh, groups. So they, they kind of uh, are little brothers to the ideology, even though that group of the Bavarian Illuminati is no longer around. They have all their offshoots. They have their skull and bones, which is really interesting because the judge is member of Quill and Dagger. Quill and Dagger is Cornell University's version of Skull and Bones. And if you don't know that, you need to take a look into it. And Skull and Bones is just a continuation of this Bavarian Illuminati agenda and their ideology. It may not be them, but it's the same concept 
concept. It's the same global communism. It's the same idea as the Bund Society, which became the World Communist Party, which essentially all stemmed and came out of the Bavarian lodges of Freemasonry that Adam Weishaupt, you know, commandeered and getting the strict observance rights from the Knights Templars to join him. And hence the banking link to uh, these organizations and their rumored involvement in the secret society, you know. So uh, I don't want to give you guys any misinformation, but as a person that's studied this stuff and greatly, uh, I recommend it. Uh, a book, great book on this was is Eliminate the Opiate. And of course, uh, the opiate is uh, Karl Marx's religion based on what Karl Marx was teaching. And so you learn a lot about the history and it was written by a Jewish uh, rabbi, I can't remember his name, but it's a great book. He also has a second book. I've read them both uh, under the recommendation of Jordan Maxwell, who's also a good friend of mine. And we're going to be starting a show on esotericism called The Secret Order on Saturday nights uh, starting in January. So fantastic. Jordan is, is, is one of the one of the greats. It's good to see him back. I know he wasn't well for a long time. Yeah, he's so, doing um, good. Is he doing good now? That's really good because um, Ryan Christian, I think it was reached out to me or, or Ricky Veranda's cut room, but one of them reached out to me to try and get him on the show because he hadn't been doing well. Well, well let me know. I, I, I do his booking for him now. So let me know. Oh, yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to speak to him. I always love to speak to him. Obviously, David is a, is a big follower of his as well. Thank you for your time, mate. I know you're busy. Um, that has been absolutely tour de force of them. So, so the very last question is where can people find you? Where can people connect with you? And how can people support you? I'll put the Patreon link below on Bitchu and also iconic.com. So you guys can please go over and support Kristen's work because we need people like him on the streets doing this sort of work. Well, first of all, I do talk radio five days a week. That's a two-hour program in the morning. If you guys want to listen to a show that the influencers listen to, uh, you want to feed your brain with information that's uh, that's unbiased for the most part, that's going to cover things the mainstream news doesn't, therundownlive.com. We're found everywhere where podcasts are found, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, but we are we, we broadcast live digitally on TalkStream Live. You can find us on KGRADB, but the rundownlive.com, the rundownlive.com will have everything there. And if you want to donate, because it's expensive to keep me here, you want to buy me a slice of pizza here in New York for $5, you want to buy me a Uber or a uh, Lyft, those are like uh, taxis here, uh, you can do so. Go to the rundownlive.com. There's a way to donate. The money I used specifically to get you guys transcripts. The transcripts cost $1.25 per page. And the average day, there's 3,000 pages of transcripts. So you can imagine how expensive it can get if we want to get the real information. Up to now, I've surgically cut out which transcripts we should get by attending and realizing these are the bombshell transcripts. So if you want the genuine verbatim news, I don't want to hear anyone out there saying there's no media covering this. We don't know what's going on inside the courtroom. The Rundown Live has a stenographer court manuscript on the website there's no excuse for spreading false information read it if you have questions about the trial re reach out to me i'd be happy to join you guys for interviews i'd love to get on any program that you guys have um, i'm here to talk to anyone i don't care if you're leftist if you're a uh, rightist if you're a conservative if you're a liberal if you're a green party if you're a labor party if you're a pirate party if you're libertarian or anarchist i want to hear from you guys i'm here for like we are the people we got to come together and fight against this tyranny we all have different solutions but we need to address the problem of these global elite uh and you know a lot of people are starting to buy in to this complacency even to the ideas of eugenics we need to stop it we need we need to re-educate our children to be free thinkers and think for themselves and just remember collectivism is destruction of the individual and without individuality uh you know we're nothing. Who wants to be like everyone else? I don't even like half the people I've met. <laughs> but, same here, right, Richard? Yeah, so, yeah, same Richard, here, yeah. Um, the last thing I got is you guys need to support Richard. Drop him a super chat. If there's a way to jo donate or sign up for Iconic, do that. Like help these guys out. They do good work. These independent journalists, people who are out there doing independent programming outside of the mainstream media are ways to enlighten your mind and make you think outside the box. And I'm like I said, listen to everyone, question everything, and don't believe it unless you can prove it with your own two hands. That's something that the late William Milton Cooper used to always say, and boy, it's about 20 years since his death uh, when he was murdered by law enforcement for exposing the Oklahoma City false flag attack. And by the way, uh, I filed a FOIA on that and I got 300 pages back from the FBI describing their surveillance and why William Cooper was murdered. Uh, so that I did six years ago, um, but just a, a little side note, if anyone's interested in that story, no one has interviewed me on that story either. And if you're a fan of Behold a Peril Horse, it's an interesting topic. 
Absolutely. Well, then we need to chat about that next time, though, because that's incredible. And I wonder what William Cooper would think right now if it was coming in. Very last question before you go. If she's convicted or if she's not convicted, I think most people are thinking if she's convicted, will other people go down with her? They want to see the likes of Bill Bill Clinton. They want to see a... Uh, a um, they want to see yeah, Bill Clinton going down, Andrew going, Prince Andrew going down. They want to see these bigger names going down. That's why I think people are really hoping for that. That would be the straw that broke the camel's back. I don't believe that's going to happen. What was your take on if she's convicted? Do you think there'll be any other fallout, or that'll just be it? And yeah, what's the best we can yeah. hope for? Well, alphabet agencies in America have a name for this type of trial. They call it a limited hangout. A limited hangout is where they give you a little bit of the truth. They're giving us a little gratification by maybe having her put on trial. Maybe she gets convicted. Uh, but I think that they're going to want us to be happy with that. The biggest question I've had this whole trial is who are the consumers? Uh, and if Jeffrey Epstein is no longer providing this uh, drug, uh, these girls, somebody else is. So who is now providing the services that Jeffrey Epstein once was? Because you better believe somebody is. And that should be a question we should all be looking into and really be asking ourselves. I don't think anyone else is going down except for other girls that are in the house that might have been involved in trafficking at a young age. Maybe, uh, you know, that's why I believe a lot of them didn't testify and they pleaded the fifth is because of the fact that uh, they would have been at incriminating evidence that would incriminate in themselves, like the driver. The butler at one point was spilling all his beans, and the defense said, you know, uh, are you saying that you were a trafficking woman because you were picking up these young girls? Uh, and he literally went, oh, and he, you know, he got in shape. So the question is, uh, and you can read that on the rundownlive.com, the butler transcript is there. Uh, you know, we, I think that there's a lot more here. Like I said, 39,960 videos and photographs, and we only use 40 of them in court. Why haven't they all been leaked out for us you know the everything is redacted even things that didn't need to be redacted were getting redacted and names of people are getting redacted probably because of links and people they had ties to and i wouldn't doubt if some of those names are like bill gates you know because uh you know we how dare we talk bad about the guy who's lobbying all our politicians and maybe you know even people who are in elected offices of judge so uh, we got to ask herself very carefully what's going on. If she's uh, put in jail, I think that's a limited hangout. I believe that this lady who spoke for the UN trying to sell ocean uh, to individuals, Ghislaine Maxwell, how bizarre, uh, who's buddy-buddy with all these elitists at the United Nations and World Economic Forum, uh, who once said the Rothschilds are the protector of her, uh, you know, I don't know, man. It's uh, I don't know. Maybe she gets off. She gets off and then she gets charged with um, perjury. She spends maybe six months to a couple of years in jail and or probation. Um, that I think is the most likely uh, aspect. But keep in mind, I'm not a I'm not a juror. I'm not a judge. I'm not a lawyer. Um, but I have talked to lawyers and they feel very similar to how I do. And as a person who sat through, you know, three weeks of the Kyle Rittenhouse trial and predictively uh, you know, predicted what was going on, was going to happen and was accurate. Uh, that would be my guess is it's a 50-50. I can't give it one way or another, but I'm slightly leaning towards the fact that she could be acquitted out of all these charges. But uh, maybe some of these individuals have heard of Elon Maxwell, have heard of Jeffrey Epstein. And if they have, which I think it's hard to be anywhere in the world and not hear of them, even though I know there are people that haven't, uh, I think it might be very hard and it might be a hung jury or she might even get indicted if she gets indicted it will send a message to quite a few individuals and i'd be surprised that she lives long in jail yeah well guys head over to christian's website therundownlive.com i'll put all the links below please financially support we need this sort of information we need people on the streets actually doing this work and um, thank you for your time mate i really appreciate it uh, i appreciate you richard uh, i'd love to have you on my show the rundown live i'll be back anytime you need me stay blessed and Stay warm. It's 27 degrees here in New York. So it's freezing here as well, mate. Unapologetically fly. No wonder why. That's just my attitude. Yeah. Okay, hey, that's just my. Uh, uh.